Went to a Mets game uh, a couple of years. I took my wife to the first one that she's ever been to, and it was great. The Mets won, uh, but she had to learn what the culture was there. And like, if somebody hits a double or a triple, everybody jumps up and strangers are high fiving and cheering. So somebody hits a double, I jump up right out of my seat. Everybody around me jumps up and we're screaming, cheering. And I look to my right and Ashley is just sitting there. And I said, get up, this is the good part. She didn't know what was going on. And so sometimes if that's boring, when you, when you go somewhere and you don't know what's going on, it's confusing and you can't enjoy it as much. So what I do at the service on Saturday nights, which is why I'm preaching this message, is because something came up. It's good that we have another service. I always have a sermon ready in case we need it. But uh, back in the old days, people were worried, the, the rabbis were worried that the Bible was getting too big. I mean, imagine getting, well, you, you, you join the welcome party, and they say, sure, just go home, read the materials, and uh, tell us what you think. It's too much, and they were worried about it, so that's why they wrote all these commentaries and kind of broke it down for people. So what I've been doing is, is I, I found this, this uh, great Bible series that takes the letters and breaks them down. Now, this is more palatable. I could, I could chew on this. This is one of the earliest letters before... Uh, there were the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This letter would have been written first by the Apostle Paul to these early churches in about 50 AD. And it even has a page to take notes on the other side, so we can really know what's going on. The beauty about Scripture is, once you figure out, it, there's a pattern, there's a rhythm to it. And once you figure it out, you can go through it and say, ah, oh, yeah, this is how God works, and this is kind of the situation. But if you don't know what's going on, like my wife, you'll open it up and you'll read it, and nobody ever does, and nobody ever misinterprets scripture. Uh, but sometimes they start reading it and they use passages and they kind of say, yeah, this applies to my theme, this to what I'm trying to say, and I'll use it here. That's not the right thing to do. What we should do is know the full story of the text that, and know the context, and then the text comes alive. I actually get chills when I read the Bible. It moves me. I can't stop reading it. And it's because I, I got the insight. I know the pattern. And so find people like you, hire people like Max and I to come do this for you. So we're, we're going to go a little deep into scripture and we're going to figure out what Paul was writing about. Because he comes out swinging in this letter. He says to the, he writes this letter. Imagine getting a letter from this guy. And he automatically, he just goes right into kind of criticizing what you're doing. And he says, how dare you? I came there, I preached a message, and you know what I keep hearing? That you're changing it. You're switching it around. And that's the wrong thing to do. So Paul wrote this letter and said, if anybody changes anything, let them be cursed. Now to understand what Paul's saying is... It's, it's kind of deep. We have, to, we have to see, we have to go into their world. Do you remember those commercials, Mac versus PC? And like the PC guy was kind of nerdy. We know who put out the commercial. I'm a Mac guy though. And the, P, and the, the, the Mac guy, he was cool. He had like a cardigan on. He was like a hipster. And then there was the PC guy. He was kind of like a, a math guy. And they painted these two people to be like at odds. And that still happens today. 
but the idea was it's either Mac or PC. And the PC people were getting worried because Mac was converting people over to their, their side. And to go into the story of scripture, we have to understand that. We have to understand uh, two sides quarreling. And Galatians, we can know, we actually know the full story. We just get one side of a letter. When you write a letter, it's only to, you only get one side of it. We know the other side. But you have to dig a little bit. So Luke, you guys know Luke, right? The Gospel of Luke? It's actually two books. It's Luke, it's Luke, the biography of Jesus, and then Acts, which is the history of the church. How we got the church. How we all got here. And in the book of Acts, when we first find Paul, we find him as a PC guy. He's a PC guy. He's by the book. He's by the rules. Don't change anything. We don't like anything different. That's where we first find Paul. Paul's not a Christian. Paul's against Christians. What happened, and this happened with Jesus too, the, the whole Christian movement, it, you know where it started? In synagogue, in temple, in church. It started in a church. Where else would it start? So this guy named Jesus comes around and he's preaching this message of this. This is why they, they killed Jesus. He said they were going to destroy the temple and he's changing the traditions of Moses. That was what really ticked them off. And in a country, Israel, that had really lost a lot of its influence and power and was just an an empty state controlled by the powers around them, the one thing they didn't want to lose was their identity. And their identity was in the Torah was in their scripture and so anybody who would change that would be a threat to who they were and Paul was expertly trained he was the Bill Gates of the Torah nobody changes this because if you change this you change who we are and we the world might be changing around us, but we can't change who we are. We are these stories. And I know them better than everybody else. That's what Paul would say. And so this this Jesus character comes along, who doesn't have any degrees. He's from the, the boonies. He has an accent. No training. He's coming around, going into the temple, going into the synagogue... And changing the Torah. He even had to defend himself. He said, I've come not to to end the law. I've come to fulfill it. But they didn't understand. And so they killed Jesus. And they thought, let's just kill Jesus. And we'll stop this merry band of people going around saying that uh, all these other things that are, are not Jewish. That are not who we are. And they thought by killing Jesus they would end it. That didn't work. So then the, st- the story continues in the book of Acts. And one guy, the, the Christians, they still kept, the Christians weren't Christians at the time. They were Jewish. It was a Jewish sect. 
like another denomination. And they saw them as a threat. And this guy, Stephen, he was the guy who led Pacific House back then. He comes in and he's teaching the teachings of Jesus. In synagogue, you're allowed, you open up a scroll and you're allowed to talk back so you have an opinion. We do that at eight, our 8.30 service. So he starts teaching and he starts winning over not just people, but some priests. Some priests started following the way of Jesus. And so Paul's got together with some of the leaders and they said this, we, we're going to bring this guy up on charges. They bring Stephen up and they say, they say, I dare you to say, I dare you to say what you said in there. And he finishes what he says. He says that they've misinterpreted scripture and that all along, whenever somebody tries to change anything, you beat and persecute them and sometimes kill them. You don't recognize what God is doing. When will you change your ways? And you know what they did? They took off their coats. They picked up some stones. They had to take off their coats because stoning was a a tough task. They had to pick up stones. They went up to the balcony, put Stephen right there, and dropped rocks on him until he died. Stephen's last words were this. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And into your hands I commit my spirit. Same thing Jesus said. Now this is an important story because the guy heading the charge was Paul. Paul said, don't change anything. And anybody who does, I'm going to drop rocks on their head. He even goes to the synagogue leaders and gets letters with permission to go all throughout Rome and find this this infection to the the, uh, temple. To the synagogue. And on his way to fulfill this, this, this order, in Acts, I think it's chapter 7, he's on this road to Damascus. And this guy who was persecuting the church, he's on his horse, gets knocked off, falls on his head, and he's blinded. And in a moment, He hears this, Saul, Saul's name is Paul too, Saul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And it's Jesus. Now this guy doesn't believe in Jesus, never met the guy, doesn't like anything about what Jesus teaches. So Jesus does a little trick. (laughs) He just confronts him right face to face. And in this moment, Paul, long story short, you can read the story, later, converts to the very thing that he was against. Now we can go to Galatians. So in Galatians, Paul writes to one of the early churches, and he says, why are you changing it back to what it was? He went to the synagogue and he taught the people there and they converted over to Jesus's ways. They were Jewish. They accepted the teaching and they accepted that Jesus was the Messiah 
and he died for the forgiveness of sins. And that even if we don't even have to follow this word by word, Jesus will forgive us when we mess up. And Paul, this guy who used to drop rocks on people's heads when they changed the words in this, said, now we're going to have to change some things. Because I met the guy who wrote the book. I met the author. And he said, I messed up. And he writes this letter. He says, don't do what I did, Galatians. Don't go back to the way it was. I know it's comfortable there. But the way that God works is that God takes us through journeys. And on those journeys, sometimes things change. Brought my bat. You know, the Bible is a story that starts in Genesis. And we open it up. And we read some ancient things that don't make sense, right? We know the world wasn't made in seven days. But they had no idea about that. They didn't know about physics and the universe and the galaxies. They just knew the world as they saw it. So God starts here in Genesis. And then he says, everywhere in the Bible, whenever you meet God, he, he says, hey, what's up? And he says, let's go. Then he says to those people, we got to go here. And God says, then we got to go here. He takes people on a journey. But sometimes when, when God says, let's move, the people don't want to go. Remember Joseph? I preached about him a while ago. Remember what happened to him when he said God was going to change things? God was going to take the lowest brother and make him the greatest brother and save us from famine. But God had to do that for us, even though it was uncomfortable. We're going to have to leave our homeland. Well, they beat him and left him for dead. But they caught on. They lost everything. They lost all their food. And when they lost everything, you know where they turned? Back to God. They said, God, what are you doing? And then they were able to see what God was doing. And, and then they end up here. And then God says, great, you got it? This is how we train our children, right? Step by step. God is no different. But think of it as human history is the, is the child. And God takes us from this place to another point on the timeline. And the people there, they love it. Oh, we're, you know what? Let's just stay out here in the desert. Things are great. And God says, no, we have to move into the land. And so they wrestle. They fight with the people that God sends. God, sends, God says, let me send somebody. Of, of course they'll accept them. They will have no resistance and we'll move forward. We call those people the prophets. And prophets, it's, it stinks to be a prophet when you're at the time. Everybody loves the prophet when they're dead. Like that book in front of us all is filled with prophets. Most of them were killed by the people that they were sent to. Because we have to understand that God is moving. And what happened with Jesus? Jesus was saying, hey, my people, we have to move. We have to, the world is changing. 
The Torah's not relevant anymore. Do you see the world changing and we're the one, only ones not moving? God, God sends Jesus and says, let's go. But what happens? They resist. They fight. God pulls it, and guess what happens to them? They lose everything. One temple, two temples. Some people are still worshiping the wall. Sometimes we make these points on the timeline into religions. We build structures on them. We build laws and rules. And we say if nothing changes, nothing can change. Anybody who threatens change, we're going to go up there and in some way, shape, or form, we're going to drop rocks on them. Until they lose everything. They lose it all. And it's when they lose everything, they realize that this whole relationship with God was not a building. It was not some rules in a book. It wasn't some ancient traditions that used to be important. But instead they encounter the living God who's moving throughout human history to take us to this place, to get us to the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. But sometimes we get stuck in the middle. Maybe you've seen on the news, in our churches today, God is sending prophets. He's sending people to say, maybe churches need to see what God is doing. Because maybe God is moving us from one place, and we don't want to go to the next place. And if we look at scripture, we see people have a hard time with change. And we look at churches, we've, it's been in the news, churches that are struggling to move forward, struggling to include people that have been excluded. Do you know who Jesus started the early church with? The people who were ready for change. Because on one time, in one of those points on the line, religion said they're not welcome. They're not, we can't have them, these, this certain type. No drunkards, no gluttons, no prostitutes, nobody who doesn't follow the rules, they're out. Kick them out. And Jesus went around and said, anybody want to follow me to something new? That was the early church. And what the what God is calling the church to do today is to move forward, to make a difference. Max is actually at a church in Stanford. You know the big one downtown? It's closing. They sold it. That big, big church, it's gone. Temples come and go. Buildings come and go ancient rituals and traditions, we can hold on to them. But God moves. And Paul, one of the founders of our faith, taught us that. He taught us that it's okay to move forward because Jesus gave us something, someone. She's called the Holy Spirit. And in John 15, it says this. When you get lost, when the church loses its way, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And she'll guide you into truth, even to places 
you didn't think you could go. Our church, the book of Acts, we added on to it a little while ago in this book. This is the history of our church. I feel like there needs to be another chapter. We're the ones that get to write that with God. It's not in here yet. But what will our story be? Will we be like Paul, who resisted what God was doing? Change? Or will we be like the Pauls who said, I didn't hear this from anybody. I heard this right from Jesus. And he said, let's go.